I'm Lauren Dimmitt Waters. I'm a New York City-based blogger and influencer who has been covering beauty, fashion, and lifestyle for what seems like forever. But now I'm a woman in midlife who wants to discover all the secrets to growing younger. I'm ready to explore topics that deal with health and anti-aging, especially when it comes to beauty, fashion, wellness, and longevity. I'll unearth what works and what you shouldn't waste your money on. Even if it's crazy, I'll hunt down the latest and greatest to help us all get through this journey called life with a little humor and a lot of attitude. I want to keep fighting the fight so we can all grow old ungracefully. So welcome to Beauty is a Bitch. Hey everyone, it's Lauren Dimmitt-Waters. How are you? We've got a new great episode of Beauty is a Bitch today. We are talking to functional nutritionist, Lisa Grew. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She has a private practice in Newport Beach, California. She's always been passionate about nutrition and good health. She used to make her children's baby food from scratch and continues to cook and create healthy, nutritious food. She works with a wide array of clients from professional athletes, adults, and kids to the biggest loser from season four with issues like diabetes, autoimmune disease, cancer, digestion, thyroid, and hormone imbalances, just to name a few. Risa firmly believes that the body can heal itself with whole foods we obtain from the earth and sees living proof, proof of that in her office each and every day. She looks at root causes causing functional nutrition guidelines and knows that weight loss is a side effect of wellness. In addition to her private practice, Risa has launched a line of non-GMO gluten, dairy, and soy-free products, including the RGN 14-day detox, collagen proteins, chocolate bars, and supplements. Through years of detoxing personally and in her practice, Risa can validate the benefits of decreasing system, systemic excuse me, inflammation and increasing good gut health while removing toxins. You can listen to Risa dive into nutrition subjects on her podcast, The Diet Dilemma. You can also find Risa on CBS's channels 2 and 9 and LA Metro, Good Day LA for many wellness Wednesdays and Hallmark Channel's Home and Family. Food Frame, Reese's first book, will be out in early 2021. It's coming. Coming. She sits on expert panels and speaking engagements from Nordstrom, Equinox, Big Canyon Country Club, Jewish Community Center, Williams-Sonoma. Whew. There's a lot going on here. And recently, she was a guest chef and presenter at El Rancho La Parta Spa. How are you? God, that's a great bio. Hey, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I, I'm, busy. I'm busy watching people heal. That's awesome. Let me, let's start, let's start with the question that I'm dying to know the answer to. What do you think is the biggest mistake women make in midlife when it comes to food? That's a loaded question, I know, but. Yeah, there, there's several. So when you say the biggest, okay, I'm going to give you the top few, okay. but one is, you know, restricting calories. That is people just will say, oh, I just have to starve myself, right? Um, that is a misnomer. We do not have to starve ourselves. We just need to burn smarter. Perhaps our, our furnace isn't on, our thyroid isn't on. So for sure, we want to get our blood levels checked to make sure that our thyroid is working, that our blood sugars are, are regulated, that our hormones are regulated, and that our cortisol is in balance. Because those all together, those four things are major affecting weight loss. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Those are just regulated. We will definitely see a slowdown in weight loss in addition to an abundance of toxins. Um, the other uh, big mistake I think people do in middle age is um, think that they have to go low fat, right? They, they go low fat and they count calories. That is not 
a really healthy way, not just to not lose weight, but to help find homeostasis and balance inside the body. So again, every body is different. What I do in my book, Food Frame, is, is basically one diet is it all. I just got my genetic test back that I'm starting to do in my practice. And if you go through the genetic SNPs, the, all the gene mutations that we all have, you see I might have a very enhanced level of endurance or maybe it's strength training and I will have a difficulty time losing weight which is what my genes say, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so it, it, everybody is individualized. So I, I, we can't all eat the same. We can't all do the same. We have to always customize what works best for us. But I do think that that is a really big danger to go low fat because we need fat. We need fat for the brain. We need fat for, for everything, for, for, for cardiovascular, for skin, for everything. Mm-hmm. And so I, I hate to see people go low fat. And then again, the um, calorie counting, all calories are not created equal. I think that was very much in the 80s with the, 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 the low fat craze. We have moved past that now. We know that good fats are good for us. Twinkies are still not good for us. So that's not going to change. They're never going to be good for us, are they? Probably not. I mean, you never know, but I just don't think so. <laughs> good fats are good for us and they do help us lose weight if you are able to process your saturated fats. And your unsaturated fat. So it, it everything is customized, but those are the two really big ones. And I would say if I had to round out to three, you cannot out-exercise a bad diet, no matter what. Oh, interesting. I like that. Yeah. So people will do that. Oh, I'll just eat a pizza, but I'm going to do two spin classes a day. I'm just going to drink that bottle of wine and I'm going to run, you know, train for a marathon. Now, it, you might look good. You might feel good in your clothes. You might like the number on the scale, but are you causing inflammation? Are right. you jacking up your thyroid that are going to give you long-term um, damages? So okay. those are the things that I'm, I'm always looking on the inside versus okay. the outside. Okay. Okay. So let me ask you this then. If, what, about, what about like low carb? I know like a lot of women are still like freaked out about carbs. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on carbs? So, you know, carbs generally turn into sugar, no matter which carb it is. There's simple carbs. Those are your breads and pastas and pastries. And then there's your complex carbohydrates, which are your vegetables. Mm -hmm. Every single food has carbohydrates with the exception of animal protein and liquid fats. So olives don't particularly have a ton of carbohydrates, but all butter and oils and things don't have carbohydrates. But everything else does. So we need carbohydrates. If we're not on ketosis, which most of us are not, then we need carbohydrates. That's our fuel. That's what turns into glycogen um, after the body, the insulin uh, is pumped out of the pancreas and it it puts it into cells. Every single cell in the body in our brain, those go into the ATP, I'm sorry, into the mitochondria, which creates ATP. That's our energy. So we, that's, our, that's our fuel source. So we need carbohydrates. We just don't want too many carbohydrates because any excess carbohydrates will get stored as fat. And we don't want it because it makes us tired. It increases our blood sugar levels. I can go on and on. But not every carb is bad. Vegetable carbohydrates are a great source. Right, right, right. Understood. Let, yeah. let, me, ask you, let me ask you this question. So a lot of women I know, especially like in middle age, perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause, 
you're not feeling so great. What's making us feel sick? What's going on? So it's an imbalance of hormones, right? So we're having this tremendous shift. Mm-hmm. Our progesterone usually falls to the floor. Estrogen dips, it tends to dip. Now, not for everybody, but that's typically what happens in, in perimenopause and menopause. And, you know, then we get these night sweats and, and then we tend to hold on to belly fat specifically. And that is because, again, we have a shift in hormones. So I always recommend, I mean, I do blood tests and stool tests for everybody. You walk in my office, that's what we're going to do. Every three months, if we're working together, we're going to do another blood test because I want to see where those markers are. I'm looking for inflammation. I'm looking for all four markers of your blood sugar. So not just your fasting glucose and your hemoglobin A1C to determine if there's prediabetes, diabetes, or you're fine. But I'm also looking at insulin, how much insulin is in your body at the time of testing and your C-peptide, that's your most stable marker for insulin. So how hard is your pancreas working? If you are insulin resistant, which means you cannot penetrate the cell. So that energy I was talking about before, we cannot get to the mitochondria. It's an extremely effective way to gain weight. So we just park into fat cells and fat tissues. Okay. And another way we gain weight is if we, if we give the body too much, as I referred to earlier. And the way to lose weight is to give the body less fuel than it needs. So it has absolutely no choice but to pull from the storage unit. So we see that happen a lot. Um, certainly in the belly section, we see that when there is a hormone dysregulation, we see that with, um, uh, with blood sugar dysregulation. And, you know, it's interesting because the body is really a whole unit. So when we look at blood work, the first thing we look at at the foundation is iron. And then we're looking at thyroid. And if thyroid is dysregulated, we can absolutely see blood sugars dysregulated. And then we see adrenal glands dysregulated. Well, I could tell you, I work with several people who right now who cannot lose weight, who are earning it. They're going to work, but they are not getting paid. And so for those people, I can tell, I'm looking at the symptoms, I'm ordering an adrenal stress index test. I want to see what their cortisol is. That you? That's yeah. It's so many people. So many especially people. Especially now. Especially yeah. now. Exactly. Yeah. After COVID, I'm doing a lot of these testing. That you are. Yeah. And a ton of uh, executive CEOs that I work with have just major cortisol issues. They're waking up through the night. They can't fall asleep. They can't uh, lose weight. Some of them are really fatigued. Um, and so there's those are the people I am testing them for. I'll see it in their thyroid too, because I measure all 10 markers of the thyroid. So I look at their reverse T3 to see if that cortisol is reversing their free T3. That's your active thyroid hormone. I also look at T3 uptake, which tells us if estrogen is affecting the thyroid. So I can see, um, you know, if these hormones are helping dysregulate the thyroid. So it's super important to look at that. So cortisol is a big factor and it is very difficult to lose weight with high cortisol. Can I, can I ask you this? <laughs> Let's say you're, you're, in, you're in California. I'm here in New York. I happen to have a functional medicine doctor, somebody that I can go to that can do this blood work that's done this for me, who, who found that I do have adrenal fatigue. Um, are you, at, you know, we can't, most women, we can't walk into our GP and say, hey, this is what I think is going on. Can you do this for me? Um, right. How do, where can women and men, but women, that's who we're, our audience is, find someone like you, someone like my doctor to <clears throat> help them uncover this? Well, um, 
I would look for sure for functional uh, practitioner near them. It could be a functional nutritionist like me. It could be a functional doctor, a functional chiropractor. A, a naturopath is more likely to be functional, but not all of them are. Functional means that we're looking at the root causes. We're looking, as I say, the soil and the trunk of the tree okay. rather than dealing with the branches. The branches are really the symptoms. In conventional medicine, that's what we've been taught to do. You have an ailment, you go into the doctor and they have a medication to solve that ailment. Mm -hmm. Regardless of the fact that that medication may be blocking an absorption of magnesium or B vitamins, or it could cause some muscle deterioration or some other things, right? We know the side effects from the commercials, but it, it, there's a myriad of things. We're, we're plugging one hole in the back of the boat, but three new ones popped up. So yep. functional, we, we don't do that. You know, we, we look at the body as a whole unit versus, you know, each doctor has a separate different area of the body that they focus on. And so the, the blood tests and the stool tests that we do is pretty comprehensive. I really know a lot about everybody. So there's some functional medicine um, directories out there that you can, but that's what I would look for because that you're not going to waste your time. You're going to probably dive in pretty deep and, and do a lot of testing, but that gives us a blueprint. So, and then I work with people all over the world. Because, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I know I've, I've referred a lot of my friends and, and people I know. I'm like, if you are a woman who's having, you know, these quote unquote unexplainable issues, <clears throat> you, they're new, you know, you just, you're, you're not fitting into a little box. I'm mm -hmm. like, rather than, like you just said, plug in the hole, right. um, you know, and, and then you spring three more. Uh, exactly. I'm like, you got to get to the bottom of this. And I think, and that's why I'm, I'm a big fan of functional medicine because I know that you get to the root cause. You look at the overall picture, um, functional medicine practitioners, and they, you know, find the root cause. Not to say, I'm not saying by any means anybody should not see their regular doctors as well. This should be in addition to, I think. But, you know, I, I, think, it's, I think it's the key to feeling better. Absolutely. If you're not feeling well. So let me ask you this next question. Um, so let, let's turn this like back to like the food and the things that we're putting into our body. We're talking about the, you know, certain things are making us not feel great. They're making us sick. So like, what are three things that you would think that we must be consuming to feel better? Like that we should be eating or drinking or. Protein, fat, and fiber. Okay. Well, there you fiber. go. Those are my three. I talk about these all the time. Protein, fat, and fiber is what actually fuels us. They're not, they're not, you know, I, I kind of divide things into food for sport and food for survival. These are all food for survival. Gluten, dairy, sugar, those are all food for sport. We do not need them. They do not serve us. So we should not be eating the bulk of them. Those should be a very occasional, if at all. So what I say is protein, fat, and fiber, clean protein. We all know grass-fed and grass-finished, uh, pasture-raised uh, poultry, uh, sust uh, sustainable uh, 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 wild fish, um, vegetables, organic as much as possible, and a wide array. We need to have all those flavonoids, so a, a rainbow of colors. Try and mix up your vegetables. And then good fats. We need good fats, avocado, nuts. Um, olives, olive oil, uh, avocado oil, coconut oil. Those are good fats, nuts, eggs, things like that. Um, those are going to help sustain us. They're good for our skin. They're great for our gut um, and uh, are great for our brain, for cardiovascular. 
And then, um, you know, sweet potato and yams, those are the kind of uh, carbohydrates I recommend on a, um, in moderation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and th- those are really the foods that we need to sustain ourselves with. Now, do they, you have like an 80-20 rule or like, do, is there anything like that? Or you're saying like the bulk of our diet should be? Yeah. Different? I mean, you know, I always tell my, my patients that I work with, you're going to die of something. So I don't want you to go to the restaurant and go, oh, I can't eat anything. You're using soybean oil in your salad dressing and canola oil on the, on the fish that you just grilled. I mean, yes, restaurants are going to use a low cost oil. That's a great source of inflammation. But are you never going to go to a restaurant? You know, those salads are probably not organic. So do I think you should be going to a restaurant every single meal, every single day? Absolutely not. We have got to get back into the kitchen. So I I did during this. I mean, I'm sort of wanting to get out of the kitchen again, but you know, no, I'm kidding. But I know what I'm, I know what I'm putting in my food, right? Yes. And it's always better to eat at home so that you know what's in it, that you don't have these chemicals and these bad salts that are, you know, just everything is more pro-inflammatory in a restaurant. And, you know, unless it's a really healthy health food restaurant, but most mainstream, even, you know, I, I go to very nice restaurants and I usually ask, what kind of oil do you use? And what kind of oil is in the salad dressing? And even those wonderful, expensive, beautiful restaurants are using crap oils. So yeah, it's really sad. So (laughs) we have to just, we have to use it in moderation. So if you go out once or twice a week, enjoy it, make good choices as best you can. You know, I always say to people, if you go to Italy and you don't have a gluten sensitivity, I'm going to say, have fun. Right. Right. Yeah. Because we, we we experience a lot through food. It's all, it's culture. It's, it's tradition, right? We just have a lot of shtick with food. We're, we're punished with it. We're rewarded with it you know, we're celebrated with it. It's, it, you know, we don't do this to brushing our teeth, right? right so right. it's crazy. So we have to just have a very conscious relationship with food and eat when you're hungry. When we find that we put real food into the body more than fake food or not nutrient dense food, we're not really as hungry. I hear that all the time in my office. I'm just not that hungry. I used to be so much more hungry. I don't even snack anymore. It's because we're putting gas in your fuel tank. Whereas you used to put shampoo in there to see if it would run, right? Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, okay, this all makes sense. Okay, so we talked about about the three things, protein, fat, and fiber. Mm -hmm. What are three things that we need to stop eating right now? Well, top of the list. For (laughs) sure, yeah. Do I only have three? Um, As many as you want. Sugar, for sure. Sugar has literally no, no nutrient impact for us. It is fully a food for sport. It, it, it just helps dysregulate our blood sugars. It helps us gain weight. It helps disturb our sleep. It helps zap our energy, brain fog, um, skin issues. We, the more we eat, the more we crave. I mean, I could go causes fatty liver, uh, increases cholesterol and triglycerides, feeds cancer cells. I mean, I could just go on and on and on. There is no benefit to sugar at all. And especially at this day and age, when we have some really good natural substitutes, I'm a huge fan of allulose. It comes from jackfruit, figs, raisins. It doesn't spike blood sugar levels at all, and it does not give any gastric upset. It Hmm. basically has no carbohydrates or calories because it doesn't get digested in the body. The FDA doesn't see it that way yet, so they do put carbohydrates on it, but they really aren't any carbs in it. 
So I'm a huge fan. All my chocolate bars, my collagen bar, my pro, my fiber bar, both have allulose. And a lot of my things are sweetened with allulose. I cook with it at home. Monk fruit is another one. A lot of monk fruits on the market are uh, cut with erythritol, which is a, a sugar alcohol. Not horrible if you have SIBO, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth or IBS, that is not going to be the choice for you. But erythritol, if you have too much sugar alcohols, it will cause a little gastric upset. So just in moderation. Um, so sugar is the devil. Yes. The, yeah. Uh, you the second, clarify that, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 there just isn't a redeeming quality it, it, attribute to it, except the fact that we love it. It tastes good and everything that we love has sugar in it. Right. Um, but again, you know, I substitute with allulose and monk fruit and I'm good to go. Stevia okay. would also work too, but some oh, people stevia. don't. Like stevia. I was just going to ask about stevia. Okay. Yeah. Those are the three blood okay. uh, the sweeteners that I use or recommend. Okay. Um, gluten is an inflammatory food. We know that when gluten goes into the intestinal lining, we only have one layer of skin cells in the intestinal lining. We only have one layer of villi. And when that gluten comes in, it eats the villi and it pokes holes in the intestinal lining and therefore we get leaky gut. So when we get leaky gut, we get food allergies, food sensitivities, and eventually if we do it long enough, we will get uh, autoimmune disease. So I'm a big fan of keeping the integrity of the intestinal lining. I know we talked about collagen. Collagen helps repair. I call it grout for leaky gut. Um, so fiber, vegetables help also repair a leaky gut. But gluten, whether you're sensitive or not, and again, I just got my, uh, my food, my uh, gen genetic test back, and it showed that I have an elevation for gluten meaning that I am sensitive to it. I already knew that I don't have gluten at all. It's been years and years and years. But um, gluten, whether you can tolerate it or not, is not a health food. So if you're not uh, gluten sensitive, I say have it every now and then. Have it when it counts. Don't just sit home and eat some saltines because it's Tuesday and there's nothing else in the pantry, right? Um, you know, wait till you have something that is worth it and have it occasionally. Um, so, and the other one I don't really recommend for most people is dairy. Most people cannot tolerate dairy. It's about two thirds of the population is lactose intolerant. Lactose is the protein that causes the inflammation and casein as well is also another protein that causes inflammation from dairy. Now, not everybody is gluten intolerant, but most are. So I would say, take it out for two weeks, see how you feel, um, but you will feel better congestion, the sleeping, the acne, the bumps on the back of the arm, um, lots of different um, constipation, bloating. Uh, those are typical dairy responses. So, and if you are going to do dairy, I would always recommend feta cheese or goat cheese. They have a different type of casing. So it is a little bit more tolerable on occasion. I get people in my office day in and day out who walk in for the first time and I say, do you eat dairy? And they say, oh no, not much. And then we go through their food log and they go, oh my gosh, I'm having it like twice a day because they don't think about the yogurt. And then, you know, they think they're not eating a chunk of cheese and a big glass of milk, but it's sprinkled on their salad or it's in, it's, it's everywhere, you know, it's really, and it's in every restaurant. So dairy is another one of those foods. I would say, I, take it off the list, see how you feel. Um, Next on the list would absolutely be, and this could be tied for first as well, is toxins. So chemicals, additives, uh, dyes, 
Um, to date, the FDA has kindly approved 82,000 chemicals for us to consume in the United States. We're about 2,000 wow. are being approved, and most of them are not tested, <gasps> over 3,000 of which we are allowed to eat. So I've been trying to get numbers, but it's very hard to get numbers from other countries. But Europe, they don't allow dyes. If you look at labels like on Lucky Charms, for instance, the Lucky Charms in the United States is, you know, six inches long. And the one in the UK or anywhere in Europe is about, you know, two inches long. So they just don't allow the ton of chemicals that we allow. So we are eating. Yep. It all has to do with money. It all comes down to money. So you vote with your fork day in and day out. We should not be eating these chemicals. And I'm telling you, young kids that I see who have a lot of anxiety are going out for every meal. They're ordering in because we can all order in boba or pizza or whatever we want, ice cream. So we're ordering these things in and they have dyes and chemicals and additives. They're causing lots of destruction, destruction and brain development issues for kids. So I absolutely say decrease your toxic load and do a detox. My detox is 14 days. Do it one to four times a year. I do it twice a year personally, but I used to do it four. And I, even though I don't have any of those things that I know of, certainly not in my house, and if I go to a restaurant, of course they're there. They're in the, 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 the chemicals in my conventional lettuce or that I'm having in a, at, at a restaurant, right? The glyphosate that we're spraying our weed killer, right? So we're, it's in our rainwater. It's in our, it's in our drinking water. So we have to detoxify. Those toxins live in fat cells and fat tissues. They do a tremendous amount of destruction. I look at liver numbers every single day. I see a ton of fatty liver, a lot of kidney issues. You have to clean the house out. You just have to. You clean out your garage. You clean out your closet. You have to clean your body out. Wow. That's, yeah. that's toxin. I mean, I knew the other ones. I mean, you, know, you would think, of course, you need to get toxins out of your diet. I mean, that would seem obvious, but then it's being snuck in. So I get it. Okay. It's even in our supplements. Look at our supplements and our medication. We have a blue pill and a purple pill and a yellow pill. I see, I see supplements, vitamins come in here every day. And I look, why do you have FD, you know, in DC number five? You know, I, I just don't understand why we have to have our supplements pretty. That's true. You know? yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's the stuff you sneak in. Cause it seems obvious to take toxins out of your diet, but you have to read, be very conscious and read labels. And, and you're right. I didn't think about like restaurants really either. And vitamin D is a big one. I'll talk about that too. But uh, uh, one of the largest manufacturers, I won't mention their name, but I see it. It comes in my office at least twice a week um, and it's sold at Costco and they go through barrels of it. it is, the vitamin D is, has soybean oil and corn oil in the vitamin D. Yes. So, and it doesn't even have vitamin K for absorption. But so not only are you probably not getting much vitamin D, but you're taking an inflammatory day in and day out. So we have to be diligent about reading labels, be concerned about what's going in the building. Well, I've also learned, I mean, to add to that with, with supplements is like, chances are if you're buying it at you know, a Target brand mm -hmm. or Costco or whatever, it's not high quality. And love Target and Costco, but not, so I, but not for that. Right. Right. No, no. I, I love, you kidding me? I'd die without either, but right. I don't find my supplements at those right. places. Right. Now, you know, and if it's cheap, there's a reason. Exactly. Um, okay. So let's uh, do certain foods affect my skin, affect our skin. 
Absolutely. So acne is usually, or skin issues are usually an inside job. Mm -hmm. So we tend to look at the liver. Liver is very related. So if there is something going on with the liver, if there's a fatty liver, if it's over, uh, over, overtaxed, we'll absolutely see skin issues. If, um, other foods that affect the skin a lot are gluten and dairy. Those are the two predominant ones. I mean, sugar is definitely not helpful either, but if you've taken out sugar and you're still having acne, then I always recommend um, removing gluten or dairy one at a time so you can see which is the culprit. And it's, it's like 100% every single time, unless there's PCOS, um, but it still helps with PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, where we usually see elevated levels of testosterone and elevated levels of blood sugar. But- wow. If it's just a normal situation, gluten and dairy are absolutely the culprits. Good to know. Okay, so like here, here's here's the question I really need to know the answer to. Um, how does wine affect my sleep? Oh, the big question. Everybody loves their wine. Yeah, especially now. <laughs> yes, everybody loves their wine. Okay, so. Oh, God. Yeah, buckle up. Exactly. So what happens is I hate to kill everybody's buzz here, but this is the truth is that, you know, wine has a lot of sugar and wine has sulfites and sulfates. And yes, it's, you know, red wine has some resveratrol, but you'd have to really drink like two bottles a day to get the same benefit of resveratrol, which is great (laughs) anti-aging. Yes. I know a lot of people raise their hand for that. But, um, yeah. So what, what happens is, is it disrupts our sleep because usually these are the people who are waking up at three 30. It's usually three between three and four o'clock. I know if I have a cocktail, I'm up at three 30, like clockwork. I just know I look at the clock yep, there, there it is. And that's basically when the sugars are plummeting. So that is how it affects our sleep. So time and time and time again, people specifically women we'll walk in my office, we remove the alcohol entirely. And they're like, oh my God, I could sleep so great. Imagine that. Yeah. And their blood sugar's regulated and they start losing weight. So, you know, it's funny. I started doing that. I was uh, doing, I did whole 30. I've done it a few times. Right. Usually not drinking is like the hardest part, but this last time wasn't. And uh, I was like, oh my God, I'm sleeping so much better. Right. 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 Yeah. So there are two manufacturers now, and somebody just told me about another one, uh, a Trader Joe's brand, which I haven't seen yet, but there are two brands that have finally come out called, uh, one is called Dry Farms Wine, and the other one is Fit Vine Wine. And I haven't tasted either, but um, a lot of people in my office do. I don't drink wine particularly, so it's not up in my wheelhouse. What was the second one? Fit Vine. Fit Vine Wine and Dry Farms Wine. And these to are um, much more conscious of blood, of sugars, so they're decreased in sugars, and they are um, decreased in sulfites and sulfates. So they're really clean wines. You know, wines are also heavily sprayed because they don't want to lose these crops. So it's a great way to get toxins in. We don't think about that, but that's why I always recommend organic wines because of the toxins. Yeah. Coffee is also another crop that's very heavily sprayed. So organic coffee, those are things that we don't realize, you know, it's not just the cancer mate. I mean, the coffee mate that we're throwing into the coffee, it's the actual coffee itself. Right. Oh boy. Oh boy. It's just not good all the way around. Okay. Here's another question for you. 
why is, do certain foods cause bloating? So there's really two reasons why we bloat. The first reason is because um, foods that are hard to break down are, they're high in lectins. I don't know if you're familiar with lectins, but lectins are under the umbrella of anti-nutrients. There's phytates and lectins. And these are basically what I call a hard candy shell around the germ and the seed of the food. And basically it says, you know, as living organisms, we all have two main goals, right? We want to procreate and survive. Those are our two main goals as living organisms. So humans, we have a defense mechanism. We can run, kick, please, bite, scream, call 911, right? And plants don't have ability. So they have these protective coatings around them that says, if you try and disrupt me, damage me, or, or you know, um, impair me, I have a protective coating. And so a lot of people will have those foods like garbanzo beans. How many friends do you have who say, I can't eat hummus, it bloats me. So those are the, the foods that are high in lectins. And, and, and some other foods also will, just general foods in general, will bloat them because they do not have an acidic environment. We absolutely have to have an acidic environment in our gut so we can break down our foods. We all produce digestive enzymes, hydrochloric acid, and pancreatic enzymes from the time we're born to the time we die. As we age, we produce and excrete less and less. So a lot of people, and I've got a few 25-year-olds I'm working with right now who's been on so many antibiotics that we, I give them digestive enzymes. But typically, I start somebody on digestive enzymes around 40. If they're not too symptomatic, maybe 50. But if they're symptomatic, we start earlier. I take a digestive enzyme every time I eat because think of it, it's like teeth for your stomach. It helps you break down your food. So those are the people who are usually having a hard time digesting. They cannot break down these foods, especially the lectins. And so they call out for the gases. Methanobacteria, say, is a bacteria in our gut that produces methane gas. And it says, come on in, help me break this down because I can't get it. I don't have enough teeth down here, right? The other reason why we want an acidic environment is that viruses, pathogens, parasites, worms, cannot live in an acidic environment. So COVID is not likely to live in a highly acidic environment. We want our guts acidic. We want our blood uh, alkalized. So if you are bloating at meals that I would say, you know, I mean, you remove the gluten and the dairy, right? Those are two very difficult foods to digest. But even if you haven't removed those, take a good digestive enzyme. My particular digestive enzyme that I make, Enzyme Max, has all the pancreatic enzymes plus ox bile for somebody who has a hard time digesting fats, plus hydrochloric acid, which is key for digesting proteins. Most uh, digestive enzymes only have pancreatic enzymes. So we really want to make sure we have a good digestive enzyme uh, supplement that we're taking with meals, usually in the middle of the meal. If you That could very likely stop your bloating. It does for a ton of people. The other people that it won't stop it for, it might lessen it, but won't stop it completely, are people who generally have what's called SIBO, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. This is when a bacteria parks itself in the small intestines versus in the large intestines. And foods that will promote that bloating are what's called FODMAPs, fermentable oleosaccharides, uh, uh, monosaccharides, disaccharides, and polyols. So these are types of fibrous foods that will absolutely cause bloating. If that is the case, we usually see either chronic diarrhea or chronic constipation with that. 
not everybody, but most people. In my stool test, I can test for it to see if there is SIBO present. And if there is, you know, there's ways to treat it, but that is a very uh, likely source of chronic bloating. Other than that, we really shouldn't be bloating. So if you're bloating, I know people walk in here all the time, uh, living with bloating and digestive issues, diarrhea, constipation, do not live another day with this. You should not be having stomach pain. Um, you know, something's up if you're having that. So I always encourage people to address it immediately. Interesting. Wow. So basically our food and everything that we're consuming, we have to be super careful because it's doing, it's doing more harm than good. Food can either help us or hinder us. So, and again, not everybody, you know, what's good for you may not be good for your sister or your, your, your next door neighbor or your daughter, right? So we have to find out your roadmap, what food sensitivities, how, how inflamed are you? Where's your blood sugar? How's your thyroid? What, what's your gut situation? Are you in good shape? Do you have H. pylori? Do you have yeast or parasites? You know, so those are the underlying uh, foundational issues that we look at that will determine uh, the branches on the tree. Wow. This is a, a lot to digest, no pun intended. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's a lot here. So yeah. uh, we're going we're gonna to wrap it up. God, I could talk about this for hours. Um, I, uh, we're going to wrap it up. Is there any last, there's so much here. I, I'd ask you more questions, but I don't even know where to begin. Um, you know, one thing I want to talk about before we go that sure. relates to your, uh, your audience about anti-aging is vitamin D. Vitamin D is critically, critically, critically important. Um, we have a D receptor site in every single cell of the body. It is anti-aging. It's anti-cancer. It is essential for thyroid, essential for gut health. It is enormous for immunity. There are so many... Uh, studies coming out now that people who are dying of COVID are people who are vitamin D deficient. The older we get, the harder it is to absorb. The darker the skin, the harder it is to absorb. It really follows suit with the people who are being highly affected by COVID. We absolutely need vitamin D. We cannot build bone without vitamin D. I don't care how much calcium you eat or how much calcium you take, you will not build bone without vitamin D. I can go on and on and on and on about vitamin D but it is a very underlooked marker in blood work. I see blood work from doctors all the time and vitamin D is not included. So always know where your vitamin D levels are and always supplement with a good quality vitamin D. My vitamin D is vitamin K for absorption, but I highly recommend vitamin D for great for skin. I mean, it, there really isn't anything it doesn't affect. It's actually yeah. not really a vitamin. It's more like a hormone, but it is really essential. So I just wanted to leave that with you because I think that is a really important message well, to take. And you say that it's interesting because I interviewed somebody rather recently who said the same thing. He mm -hmm. said, basically, we, if you live north of the equator, you're not getting enough. Exactly. And he said, you know, another thing is that we're generally not taking enough. A lot of people that are even taking vitamin D aren't taking enough. And our um, soils used to have vitamin D. Right. But they don't anymore. Because exactly. Right. Right. decreased in nutrient value 40% since the 1950s. Crazy. And then the other thing too, is as you brought up earlier, don't be buying your vitamin D at like Target. mass market places like, you know, exactly. Read the labels on your supplements, not just your food, but yeah. Right. 
I thank you for bringing that up because that is super important. I, I, I agree. Um, thank God I take a good one and I hope everybody does. But I think this, this also leads me to believe, like, please try to find a functional medicine practitioner if you're having any issues. Just, I'm, sure, I'm sure people, once they hear this, will be contacting you, looking for a functional medicine practitioner or, you know, whatever. Just try to get to the bottom of it because you can see it's so easy to be thrown off balance. Right. Like, you know, you're eating something that you might think is good for you and it's not, you know, exactly. you know, right. and knowledge is power. And once you know, you know, you know, exactly. So, so exactly. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. This has been completely fascinating. I'm going to wrap it up. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple podcasts. It really helps us out a lot. Um, I have a new pro-aging podcast weekly, so please contact Lauren at Fountain of 30 for sponsorship opportunities. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. We will talk soon. Stay well, stay healthy.